Good morning, Storyline. What a joy and privilege to be able to share with you today. We want to thank all of you who email and text us about our gatherings. And, and to those of you who have been hesitant to send in comments, questions, ideas, and even objections, please don't be. We always ha have said that Storyline is in discovery mode. And that means we not only take your feedback input and pushback seriously, we actually rely on it. For instance, last week, I told a story about some smoke jumpers in Montana, and one storyliner sent in a beautiful song that was actually written about that incredibly tragic event. Someone else suggested another story in the Bible that frankly would have worked much better than the passage of the rich young ruler that we looked at. And many of you had a lot to say about the commercial that we used, and, and that was also very, very helpful. All of that to say, our gatherings really are a collaboration, and this morning is no exception. And so again, thank you to all who've contributed so much to what we're going to discuss today as we take this second look at repentance and believing. You know, in many quarters uh, of the world, America is not viewed in a positive light, and for multiple reasons, some fair and some not. I think we are all aware that in less free societies, the democracy and the liberties that we enjoy are often envied by the people and resented by the ruling class. But besides that, when it, when it comes to our way of life, there are plenty of countries that see us as materialistic and hopelessly obsessed with the latest and greatest. America has been described as a country addicted to updating and upgrading, like the new and improved everything all the time. And let's be honest, that's hard to argue with. Now, there are those of us who are, shall I say, older, who've reached a point with technology where we just give up on trying to keep up. For instance, I wrote this talk this morning on a computer that I bought in 2008, used. Now, technically, it's a laptop in the way that a Model T is technically a car. But when my friends, and especially when my students, see this computer, it's always good for a few laughs. But I don't care because, you know what, I get my AARP card this year, and I've given up on keeping up. I'll take Windows 95 over a touchscreen, five channels over satellite, and an actual book that you can hold to a Kindle, not to mention paper money over whatever the heck Bitcoin is. Oh, and while I'm at it, get off my lawn. That's about where I'm at in my life right now. <laughs> but generally speaking, America is latest, greatest, newest, fastest, obsessed. Much of our economy is based on this reality, which makes the question that we ended with last week all the more intriguing. Why are we so quick to update and upgrade our phones, our cars, our clothes, our kitchen, and so unwilling to do that with what we think and with what we believe. You know, when we get the opportunity to update our phone, what happens? We open up. But you ask us to update something that we think, and we shut down. Theologians call this stance toward life and towards ourselves being, being unrepentant. It is the unwillingness to allow for the possibility that we could be wrong, off, maybe only seeing part of the picture or having our priorities out of whack. Last week we saw how, ironically, Jesus 
And his, his first invitation to us isn't into believing, it's first into repentance, to truly face reality and ourselves, to stop and rethink what we think and believe. It's quite a remarkable thing, really. It implies that following Jesus isn't just adding him like into the mix of what we already think and believe, but that before the life of faith begins, there is this letting go, uh, a surrender, uh, a reboot maybe. To repent is the willingness to start from scratch, begin again, and hold on very loosely to what we think and even what we believe. You know, psychologists will tell you that this resistance to rethink what we think and believe grows out of what they call the totalitarian ego. Now, please, no elbowing the person next to you at home. We all have this part of the ego. It, like, comes stock with all human species. And, and this is the part of us that loves answers, like black and white, clear demarcations between good and bad, the rules. It thrives in clarity, mostly because all of this is comfortable, which is why we don't generally like ambiguity, the vague gray areas of life. If clarity is comfortable, doubt breeds discomfort. And our little inner dictator, that totalitarian ego, it hates that. So certainly, some of our allergy to repentance can be explained this way. It's just uncomfortable. But that's not the whole story. The totalitarian ego isn't just about protecting us from discomfort. It's very concerned with keeping us safe from threatening information. This is why we love to update and upgrade like the things around us, but we hate to rethink and repent of the things within us. Updating our phone, that's an opportunity. Updating what we think, that's a threat. Because the totalitarian ego thinks that the things within us, what we think, what we believe, are us. And so to change them, to rethink them, threatens who we are. Now, this is super easy to see in other people, right? Like we can tell when someone's getting defensive, like you're hitting a little bit too close to home, they feel threatened, and they start to engage in things like confirmation bias, which means they're only seeing the evidence that supports what they already believe. And maybe another defense mechanism is, that comes up is a motivated reasoning, and that's like using emotional arguments to lead toward a predetermined conclusion. When others turn a blind eye like that to anything that threatens what they already think, man, we, we see it crystal clear in them. But when we do it, we can't see it. That's why it's called the blind eye. Scientist Richard Feynman put it this way, we must not fool ourselves, but we are the easiest ones to fool especially when it comes to things within the totalitarian ego. When it, when it comes to those things that the totalitarian ego is telling us is us. Now this right here 
And that place and part of life is one of the most important areas of life that Jesus and his gospel of grace has come to set us free from. The connection we make between our identity and our ideas. Who we are and what we think and believe. Now I know this sounds counterintuitive, like I thought Jesus was all about what we believe, but he really isn't. Many have turned the way of Jesus into that, like into a religion of certain theological positions and belief statements and doctrines, different from other religions only because the lists of doctrines are different or the lists of theological positions are different. But at the heart of the way of Jesus is not doctrine or the spiritual ideas that, that we hold to be true. It's the values that we hold to be good. Time and time again, when Jesus is approached, like we saw last week with, by this rich young ruler, or in other parts of the Bible where one time a, a religious um, leader named Nicodemus uh, came to Jesus, or another time where a lonely fisherman named Peter comes to Jesus. Time and time again, Jesus doesn't invite people like that into new theology or spiritual thoughts or beliefs. He invites them into a new way to value life and a new way to value what life is for. Now, I'm not suggesting that what we believe isn't important. It is. Certainly what we believe to be true impacts what we hold to be good. But I am suggesting that it's not as simple as a cause and effect. It's much more like a chicken and egg situation where one leads to the other within leads back to the first. Which is how and why we can say, for example, as we do over and over again, that storyline is a community of faith in the grace of God. Even though, theologically, we're a community of people who would fill in the details of what all that means quite differently. Several years ago, a man came up to me after one of our gatherings, clearly very moved by our time together that morning. He told me his story, he lives in Chicago, he's got a place here on the weekend and he comes to town. He discovered Storyline through a friend and then he told me this, Mike, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in this. I love this. Is it okay if I keep coming? I was like overcome and I was thrilled. I said, yes, of course. I told him, we'd love to have you keep coming. I'm sure you have so much that you can contribute and offer and that we could learn from you. So please, yes, do that. So, so here is someone who doesn't even believe in God and yet he desperately wants to belong to Storyline. Now, when he said, I love this, what is the this he's referring to? Think about that. Well, we know it isn't a certain set of theological positions or thoughts, the spiritual ideas that he thinks are true. It's our values. It's what we hold to be good, like belonging before believing or celebrating real, not pretending to be perfect, radical inclusion, unconditional love, open-mindedness, open-handedness, and open-heartedness. 
Now, I would suggest that these values find their origin in the grace of God as demonstrated by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and we try to make that connection every week. But the point is, if grace is our core conviction, which is what we talked about two weeks ago, if repentance, which we started talking about last week and we're talking about here again this morning, if rethinking, renewal, changing growth is something we celebrate, well, all of that is how we embody grace together. And that means by definition, you don't have to believe grace is theologically true to enjoy that grace is experientially good. Now, do I hope that he and all of us come to trust in the truth of Jesus and the gospel of his grace? Yes. But more times than not, that begins as an experience of the good, not as an explanation of the truth. You know, St. Augustine was even more blunt than I'm being. He said, we are not what we think. We are not even what we believe. We are what we love. And the point is not the details of our faith. The point is the values that the God of grace leads us into loving. When we understand that, when we experience that, the totalitarian ego no longer has a role to play. It no longer has to protect the ideas and beliefs that we think we ought to have. You know what that's called? Freedom. It was the religious people of Jesus' day who hated him most because he was breaking all the rules, because he was inviting everyone to rethink what it is that they thought and believed and to base their lives not on what they believed but on what they loved. This is what Jesus introduced into the world. A thorough introspection of why do I value what I value? The process of like reverse engineering that will inevitably lead back to what we actually really believe or trust in, not what we think we're supposed to think. And this frees us from the totalitarian ego and the defensiveness of motivated reasoning and confirmation bias. This kind of reverse engineering ourselves, this kind of introspection and, and growing self-awareness happens best in loving, open, accepting communities where repentance, stopping, rethinking, changing our minds is valued, where it's actually celebrated. And that is what my new friend, the atheist from Chicago, that is the this thing that he loved so much about Storyline and why he longs to belong and does, and why I do too. Separating who we are from what we think and affirming that what we value and love is a more accurate picture of our identity is the gift that Jesus is trying to offer us. 
And in this season of enormous division in our society and incredible difficulty often in relationships, living in and living out that grace can change everything. In fact, I got a beautiful email this week from one friend, and she explained that, you know, how hard it is for her that, like all of us, that our country is so divided right now and things are so, you know, there's so much friction. Yet, how she is having these fulfilling conversations, even with people that she disagrees with, because as she puts it, we prioritize our love for each other over our differences. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. In fact, I wonder if a good way to check on what is really controlling us, is it the totalitarian ego or the grace of God, is if we can just do that. Can we? Do we prioritize our love for each other over our differences with each other? That's a question worth thinking about. We're going to close this morning with a song that, yet again, a storyliner recommended to us. And I think, uh, I love this song because I think it's exactly about this, this subject. I will do your interview Try to explain what I'm going through Give you something to read into In a million different ways A sick version of telephone Starts at the clip of a microphone A game we thought we had all outgrown Still everybody
This is for you to overcome, but I will always love you in a perfect state of grace. Maybe that would crack the case. Thanks so much to the Storyline Band and for everybody who works so hard to make those songs happen for us every week. So why do we update and upgrade things around us but fight so hard not to rethink, reconsider the things within us? Because we mistakenly think that we are what we think and what we believe. But Jesus insists grace demands that we are what we value. We are what we love. Jesus' invitation to repent and then believe is the path to true freedom. It finally cracks the case because it kills our totalitarian ego that makes us defensive and too often offensive and ushers in the values of grace, of prioritizing love instead of dividing over differences. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this opportunity to uh, come together to consider um, your invitation into living in and living out grace. God, I pray that you would help us to uh, be open, open-minded, open-hearted to what it is in our life that we need to rethink and reconsider. I pray that in um, the light of your love and the embrace of your grace, we would uh, set down, put down our defensiveness and be open to new and next steps with you and um, through you for others. God, I pray that uh, as we log off this morning, you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant and 
dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, folks. I hope to see you soon.